Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network, streaming on Sirius XM. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Colon. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? Hey, buddy. Football starting. We've got uh, a set of really good college football games this weekend. Uh, my son's playing football in full gear. It's uh, the week's ending, uh, and the Miami Dolphins kicked some serious ass to end their preseason. So, uh, all good thoughts right now. As Dude Love would say back in the day, they kicked some heavy duty booty. And uh, the the most points they've ever scored in a preseason game, I think they won forty eight to ten against the Eagles. Uh, the battle for Ace Ventura's soul is now complete. He stays <laughs> in South Florida yet again. Ray Finkel can suck it. It. Uh, it was not it wasn't just that they scored 48 points, Chris. I mean, it's always fun to watch your team explode like that, but it was how they did it and when they did it, which is almost as important, especially for a preseason game, uh, because they came out of the gate first play of the game, 51 yards, the most controversial 51 yard completion known to man between Tua Tungavailoa and Tyreek Hill. Uh, yes, it could have gone for a touchdown if he threw it, you know, 52 yards instead of 51. But nonetheless, it went 51 yards. And I challenge any, any, any franchise out there. If your season week one of the regular season started with a 51 yard completion, you should be happy. Not sad, not questioning, not anything else. But they go on to not only not only did they complete that, Chris. Oh, by the way, they scored a touchdown like four plays later. So it wasn't like they lost out on points. They got the same amount of points as whether or not Tyreek ran it in or ultimately River Craycraft did. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tua to Tyreek. And I had people calling me from the second it happened going, okay, this is now legit. And then about 10 seconds after that, was the overflow of, well, he didn't really throw it that far. Uh, let's just start at the beginning of that game there, Chris. What did you think of the throw from two? Um, it's such a non-story. I don't even want to talk about it. He threw the Dan Orvosky had a great take. He threw it over 50 yards. Um, if people remember, <laughs> arguably uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league is Pat Mahomes uh, threw a very similar wasp pass to Tyreek in the Super Bowl, and everyone thought it was a great thing. They gained 50 yards, five first downs of offense in one play, Sam. That's that's what we want. Yes, we want him to be hit in stride and score a touchdown. Sure. He's, we got 51 yards. These fans, like I said, the ones that are the negative Nancys and just like live to be negative, um, are, are clown shoes. Like they're yep. literally clown shoes. Um, the next play, beautiful fake handoff rolls out to his left, hits Tyreek in perfect, perfect stride. He's done for the day, which totally makes sense. And then uh, we run the ball, no, no game. And then another rollout and he hits Croft Crawfield or craw crawl and great uh, craft in a perfect throw on the run where the corner trailing had absolutely no possibility of, of defending it. And it was surgical. 
surgicals is is the word it was surgically done um it, it's going to help it to his confidence it's going to help a tyreek's confidence uh the whole offense in general and sam one thing i'll, I'll mention before we, we i toss it back to you is waddle was not even on the field <laughs> like the safeties over the top tyreek that's half of our offense like that that wide receiver duo and waddles in in street clothes so i i, I week one cannot get here soon enough I, I, you, you kind of stole my thunder there a little bit, and rightfully so. I mean, Jalen Waddle wasn't on the field. Teron Armstead wasn't on the field. So we're doing this with none of our, our complete and most talented offensive line member, uh, as well as the other half of that wide receiver duo. That's how good Tyreek is, and that's how good that play was, and that's how good Tua was on that play, quite frankly. Uh, that River Craycraft uh, touchdown was actually made possible in many ways by the plays that had happened before but also during that play by Trent Shearfield number 14 who who made the team we'll talk about that in here just a little bit who actually uh stopped the defenders on that side and forced uh the inside defender to come down and 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 cover him which allowed Craycraft to get out of his break and be open in the end zone just a beautifully designed play which again goes back to coaching goes back to Mike McDaniel it's going to be a fun year to be a Miami Dolphins fan and that was just a microcosm I mean that's what we needed to see I think as Miami Dolphins fans we needed to see Tua to Tyreek we needed to see it go yard or at least go deep and we got that and like you said day is done one play after that totally fine by me Tua showed what he needed to show in in the dress rehearsal now let's get to New England week one here in a couple of weeks and call it good. Um, that's all I needed to see. But on top yeah. of that, on top of that, if that was the only thing that had happened, which it wasn't, I would have been fine. But Tua looked great beyond that because he did play a little bit longer than that. We only gave up one sack. And really, I think the sack was more on Tua than it was Austin. It Jackson. was. If you count, it was about four seconds, which is more time than I think Tua's ever had in his life, which again is bearing the lead. The reason why that whole play was able to happen on the first play of the game was simply because the offensive line did their job, which we aren't used to saying here in the town of Perfectville <laughs> or when talking about the Miami Dolphins in general. So the offensive line played much better. Uh, Tua did what he was supposed to do. Tyreek does what he does. And then you get into a running game with Raheem Mostert, oh, where he sweet. started to look really, really good. And then you got a pick six by this defense, which said, oh, by the way, you all want to talk about the offense. We're still here. And we're going to talk about how this defense was crafted once we get to the 53-man roster that's uh, been completed as well. But just a, just a great way to end preseason. I think if you if, if you could take anything out of preseason, it's no injuries and feeling confident about your team on both offense and defense and special teams, quite frankly. And I think the Miami Dolphins have uh, checked that box as well. Well, they checked the box, and it's one of those things where you get nervous as a Dolphins fan. I actually was holding my Dolphins mug at work and got in the elevator, and this guy comes in with the Dolphins hat in on in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he goes, Finns fan? I'm like, like no, obviously. What, what are you yeah, talking no. about? <laughs> Chargers all the way, baby. Yeah. No, no, no. In case he listens to this, good guy. He knew his shit. And we're uh, we're shooting it, man. We're going. He did not know we cut Lynn Bowden, so I had to ruin his day because he was not happy about that. But we were chatting, and uh, it's, it's, I'm going to kind of articulate kind of like what I said to him is I, I'm cautiously optimistic, right? We've been here before. We've been burned. Um, but we've also had hype before, and maybe we were blind to the point where we just bought in. This year, I, you know, we really are truly um, excited but cautiously because we've we, again we've been here before that preseason game Sam without Armstead without Waddle McDaniel opened up the playbook a little bit we did not look that surgical the first two preseason games I think right. he totally went vanilla and basic and kind of showed a little bit of what what we're in for uh in game three against the Eagles and um man I like what I saw 
I liked what I saw. Like it, there's just we're finally taking advantage of uh, attacking defenses. You saw what who and the other guys have been saying all along is that they have multiple plays out of one set. So they have the handoff, then they have a rollout, then they have, you know, a screen. I mean, there's just so many things out of the same set and uh, that's without Waddle and we're motioning tight ends. Baldy had an amazing breakdown of how our offensive line look. We're we're doing pool plays. We're doing we're getting to the second level. Liam Eichenberg is like ear holding DTs on and DNs on 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 trap plays. It's just all things we've been asking for and wanting and seeing other teams do it, and we haven't. So to see the Miami Dolphins, it, it, it's almost you have to slap yourself. Am I dreaming? I'm pinching myself. Is that the Dolphins running those plays? And it's something to uh, to smile about. And it's a little bit like foreplay. It's foreplay, and and season week one against the Patriots is is finally penetration to well, Mac Jones, McCorkle. Yeah. McCorkle, yeah, we're definitely getting our ass tickled with a feather right now, and uh, it feels good. It feels good. I'm getting ready to sing Yankee Doodle Dandy uh, while that's happening. But uh, Please do. yeah, but the, you know the the other part too. Going back is we didn't have a show for the Raiders game. We looked a little more vanilla, a little more bland in that one. Yep. Uh, Jason Sanders misses a field goal at the end of the game. No big deal there. He's looked better this year than he did last year. So you know, I missed field goal in preseason. I think I'm okay with it. It kind of recalibrates him. Get, get it yeah. out of the way. It also doesn't matter the preseason games. I looked this up the other day because I was it, first of all, 1972, the Miami Dolphins 50 years ago go undefeated, as we all know, beat the Redskins, uh, now the Commanders in the in the in the uh, Super Bowl 14 to seven. They played six preseason games that year, Chris. Jesus Christ, six. They went three <laughs> and three. Each guy made eight dollars yeah. a game. <laughs> yeah, they, they played half their year and it didn't even count. And uh, oh my god! And, and one of those teams that actually played in preseason that year was the, the Washington Redskins. So they played them in preseason, lost, and then came back and beat them in the Super Bowl, fourteen to seven. So the point is, you can't always read into what happens in preseason and apply it to the regular season, right? But you can look at bits and pieces and, and and start to extrapolate out. This is what you can expect. And even in that Raider game, you know, two was in there a brief amount of time. It was a very vanilla offense, but I think he had a QB rating of over 90. Uh, he was very accurate, you know, and, and, you, and you combine everything that he's done this off season and preseason. And he looks like a starting quarterback, which We've known you and I have known we've been on, you know, uh, the two aside of this argument for for two years and said we have to be patient. He's coming back from injury. He's got people that don't believe in him, everything that we've already talked about. But to see him actually go out and look the part, uh, I think the Patriots are in for a pounding in two yeah. weeks when they come in. They looked uh, as good as we have looked, especially in that last game. They looked equally bad. Uh, against those same Raiders that last game. I mean, I, Mac Jones is still trying to figure out which which guy is on his team. Looking at the <laughs> at the at the film of that game, I mean, he looked atrocious. Yeah, um, this game is going to be the easiest of our first four. Mm-hmm. So we've got the, we've got the Patriots at home, home opener in September. Um, we are notoriously uh, taking advantage of uh, that weather um, um, situation, them in their dark uniforms. And to be completely honest, we've had Mac Jones. We had Mac Jones numbered last year. Um, So that's the easiest game because we follow up at Ravens home bills at Bengals short week, Thursday night football uh, defending AFC champions. So out of those four, looking at the schedule pre-show and uh, that's obviously, which is so weird to say, right? The Patriots is the easiest one out of those, but based on just um, lack of personnel, 
Um, their cornerback issue looks pretty suspect. Their receivers, he doesn't have many weapons. And Mac Jones is making mistakes. Um, I think that all boils down to we're a team kind of on on this direction going upwards, and the Patriots are kind of middle of the road. Even though they went to the playoffs last year, they didn't do enough to do anything. Yeah. Um, and and I really just feel like that crowd is going to be sold out. Um, it's going to be loud. It's going to be raucous. It's going to have – and there's going to be things that McDaniel hasn't shown, that Belichick has no idea what's coming. Um, it's definitely something where I feel as good about that game as I have about any game in a long time, and it's weird saying that when it's the Patriots. Yeah, and, you know, it's – it's we're not going to get into a deep preview of the Patriots week one just because we got another week to do that. And uh, But let's just be honest. Josh McDaniels is a very good offensive coach. He's gone. They now yep. have this dual – offensive coordination two failed head coaches yeah two failed head coaches who who bill wanted to make sure had a paycheck so like one guy's handling half the offense on the left hand side and the other guy's handling it on the right hand side or whatever the hell they're doing uh unless they've got something else up their sleeve it just looks like a big disorganized mess and that that plays to our our you know really plays into our hands speaking of that game my sister and my brother-in-law um they're actually going to that game they're in 134 they're sitting in the shade on the Dolphins side in the end zone just great tickets and I'm so mad because neither one of them are Dolphins fans yet uh, they get to go and I have to go to team pictures for a nine uh, ten year old soccer league so I'm not even gonna be able to watch it live my sister who's a Raider fan and my brother-in-law who's a Niner fan will be though so you know can yeah. you um is there a way we can petition as uh your co-host and as fans to uh change team pictures because who does team pictures at 10 in the morning on the west coast during nfl football season I'll like that you. should be illegal and soccer ain't that great i'm sorry love you chloe no i'll tell you this happens every year and it's always that first sunday of opening week uh the only reason i have to go this year is because i am coaching in the past like, okay i'll drop my kid off and then I'm gone, right? But uh, no, since I'm the head coach, I have to be there. And uh, not for nothing, but the league is run by, I, I believe, a lady who doesn't watch football, who maybe even hates football. And you, might need to, you might need to bring your phone and just hold it behind the girl because you're in the back, right? You're the tall one. And just hold it behind the girl. They won't see it in the picture and you can watch it, you know, watch the game because uh, I don't know if it's the kiss of death of you not watching or watching where... Well, so, yeah, I'll explain. say this. The, the first year that my daughter played in this league, which was a number of years ago, uh, Brian Flores' first year and, and as a head coach, uh, we got pounded by the Ravens like 56 to 10 or whatever it was. So oh, God, I, I was so game. mad that I missed that I was going to miss the opening game. And then I got an update while taking pictures. I'm like, yeah, take your time with the photos. It's going to be fine. <laughs> So uh, let's Uber in some food. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last two years, I haven't had to be there for pictures. because It just ended up on a weekend where uh, Chloe's mom had her. So I actually go to this uh, Northern California. It's called La Cabana <laughs> Dolphins Party. And we've won. So I kind of wanted to keep that tradition going. But nope, can't do that. Got to go back to this picture thing. So the history tells me uh, not good things when I show up to picture day. But uh, hopefully that is just a reversed, you know, weird 2019 deal when that happened. So Mike McDaniel's the type of go coach. If you threw down a reverse Uno card, he'd get the meme, and that's the first coach we've had in years that would. So I feel like I think the curse is broken. I think you're good. I think so too. And uh, you know what else is broken is the uh, the spirits of a bunch of players who were cut over the past week here, Chris, because the Miami Dolphins finished up preseason against the Philadelphia Eagles and then had to make a cut from 80 players down to 53. 
Um, they didn't take too long. They actually started on Sunday, even though they had until I believe Tuesday to get that all done, Chris, but they knew that they weren't going to keep a few people and they, and they let them loose. I'm not going to go through the whole list here. I'll break down the positions, three quarterbacks, which was somewhat controversial, except for the fact that Skylar Thompson forced us to keep him five running backs, which that includes a fullback. So nothing too crazy there. There was talk amongst fans and journalists that they would keep up to seven wide receivers. The Dolphins keep five, which is the tradi- traditional member, uh, traditional amount, eight offensive linemen, five tight ends. So that is your offensive breakdown, nine defensive linemen, nine cornerbacks, eight linebackers, if I'm not mistaken, or nine linebackers, excuse me, six defensive line, uh, nine defensive backs and one Noah Igbenogany. So uh, <laughs> those that's the breakdown. Plus you have your kick, your punt returner. I'm sorry, your punter, your kicker and your long snapper. And that should hopefully make 53 uh, based on my math. But uh, surprised at a keeping Noah Igbenogany surprised at B Byron Jones, who we all assumed would just be ready for week one now will not play for that first four games that you talked about and C five Ted ends, Chris. I knew tight ends was a big deal in Mike McDaniel, uh, McDaniel's offense. Um, but wow, like five tight ends and a fullback. That is yeah. quite a bit. So it's Gesicki, it's um, Smythe, it's Long, it's what's Tanner the, Connor. Tanner Connor. Who's in four. And then you have Keithan Carter, who I believe is more of a special teamer, but technically a tight Matt end. Collins type. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you need special teamers. Uh, however, uh, that's a lot. That's a big number. Not, But nothing other than that, Sam, the biggest news is Byron Jones. Yes. Byron Jones is the biggest news, uh, which is which is exciting because normally you're like, what? Why did we cut that guy? Or why did we do this? And it's like this year, like there really wasn't like my buddy like messaged me. He's like, we cut Sony Michelle. I'm like, meh. Like, why, why do we have him? Like, wh- why did the Rams let him go? Right. You know, you got to think of those things. Um, it, it, you mentioned it, uh, and, and I'll reverse Uno card you. You mentioned it pre-show. Everybody's up in arms. We cut Lynn Bowden. He's currently unemployed. No one signed him. No one claimed him on waivers. So fans fall in love with guys, and they want them to do well. Um, disappointing. I guess slightly that we didn't get a trade partner for Preston Williams and Lynn Bowden, but really not, I'm not losing sleep over it. Um, You know, other than that, I mean, we're rolling with a pretty strong roster, man. And I'm feeling good about it. Yeah. I mean, Preston Williams, no one's going to trade for him because I think his, his problems are well-documented here in Miami. Um, And by the way, I don't know if he was even eligible for waivers, but nobody picked him up on waivers either. Uh, So in fact, nobody other than Benito Jones, who goes to Detroit uh, got picked up. That was, part of the Miami Dolphins, you know, cut and wave list, uh, which proves that our trash was just trash. Now, some of them are coming back to the practice squad. Uh, I'm sure some will get picked up somewhere. But the fact that, you know, we were all clamoring over certain people like Lynn Bowden Jr., like Preston Williams, um, and the fact that they're still not employed two days later, you know, it's not like the league was crawling all over themselves to get these guys onto their own rosters elsewhere right. in the NFL. Yeah. Right. So I, I think we made the right decision. I think you're right. There, there weren't a lot of surprises outside of Byron Jones, which I'm concerned about because I've been talking on this show for the last month or so that uh, the cornerbacks are what scare me, uh, especially with the injuries that we've seen to Trill Williams, Nick Needham. Uh, other people are banged up. We've gone, we've got undrafted free agents, uh, rookies that have made this team. 
And of course, we got Noah Igbenogene, who seems like he's going to be playing a lot this first four weeks. Uh, and it doesn't look like Chris Greer or, or Mike McDaniel or anybody else has any interest in adding uh, any sort of starting caliber or anybody who can challenge Noah Igbenogene. So I guess we're rolling with Noah for the first month of the season, at least, Chris. I hope Javon Holland and Brandon Jones are very comfortable with playing behind him um, and not letting anyone pass them because that Raider game, oof. He was burnt toast, man. Anytime they were in man, he was within of eight yards away from the coverage, uh, trailing and chasing. So that that terrifies me. Uh, he just has not made any plays that make me think, hey, there's that first round talent, Chris Greersall. Um, it's nothing but negative, and it's and it's something we we want to support the players yeah. on this team. Like we always, I think our track record proves itself. It comes to a point where you're just like, uh, I cringe when I see number nine on the field. Like I just really do. Yeah, even even before that Raider game, I mean, you and I were pretty bullish on, hey, maybe Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan can make this happen. And then it was like, oh, never mind. Nope, nope. They can't make chicken chicken salad out of chicken shit. And, I, you know, I think we can absorb it week one and week two. I don't even know if the Baltimore team outside of Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, second year wide receiver, he's going to be pretty good. But I don't know that they have a ton of talent at the wide receiver position where I think we can, you know, float coverage to that side with our safeties and make it work. But once we get into week three against Buffalo and you got Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox and, and and Josh Allen, by the way, uh, and then you get into week four and there's some guy named Jamar Chase and some guy named T Higgins and Tyler Boyd is their third wide receiver. And it's like, okay, now we have issues. And hopefully by then he's magically figured it out, even though he hasn't in two and a half years, but that's where I think the issues really lie is how, how do you, how do you escape Buffalo? How do you escape Cincinnati on a short week and, uh, do it with Noah Ibnogane playing a significant amount of defensive snaps? I just do not know. I do. Here's how you beat, how you, how you beat them and you do it. You pass rush. And you score more points with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. We're going to have to play Track offense race, yeah. differently than we have in the last five, six years. We're going to have to play unconservative, four wide, go for your throats, and hope our defense can get a turnover here or there. Pass rush needs to get to these guys. I mean, we know Lamar Jackson already um, bottled them up last year. I mean, like, I've never seen him play as bad as he did in that national TV game last season. Um but we won't have Byron Jones for it. So how, how much can you play, you know, cover zero um, man on an island when Noah Iganob it, it is the guy that's between you and an 80 yard touchdown. So um, <clears throat> it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Joe Burrow, uh, their lines. Okay. So hopefully we can get to him, but if we can get out of the stretch for four, first four games, and we're going to get into the season more as like, you know, the season actually starts in like week ones here. Um, but if we can come out of that two and two, right? Oh, that's that a huge stretch, win. huge win. And then yeah. there's, there's so many easier games, W's on this, the rest of the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, we're, again, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe they figure out a way. Maybe Noah isn't the guy that's going to be playing. Maybe Nick Needham is the boundary corner and they throw somebody else on the inside the nickel. Noah's just there to return punts and, and, and fill out a roster. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, and, and you said it, I mean, I think the game plan in general, for the Miami Dolphins this year on defense is going to be more pressure on the quarterback. I mean, that was still an area of concern last year. Uh, obviously, Emmanuel Agba, who has been very silent this preseason, um, he's there. You have Jalen Phillips, who looks like an actual man 
this year. Uh, he, he's been very good throughout preseason. And then, oh, by the way, some guy named Melvin Ingram signed as a pass rush specialist. And oh, by the way, this week, Trey Flowers, who when he's not injured, is averaging you know seven, eight sacks a season in this defensive scheme that he's very familiar with. He's coming in as a situational pass rusher as well. Uh, you, you combine that with Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Raquan Davis, and that front seven, front eight, whatever that is now for the Miami Dolphins in terms of pass rush and uh and 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 rush rush if that would be the thing um is very stout and very dangerous and has the ability to maybe mask some of the stuff on the back end that we could see with uh with the cornerbacks in particular so i'm excited about that i think that was a really shrewd pickup to get trey flowers right here at the end another body that knows the system doesn't need a lot of on ramping uh to, to to know exactly what his role is in this another veteran and a guy who can come in here and hit the quarterback you know hard so I'm, i appreciate that too which is why i want to say Welcome to Perfectville, Trey Flowers. Yeah, absolutely welcome. Um, and two out of the first four games, uh, early September, are going to be at home in Miami. You're going to need a fresh rotation of pass yep. rushers. So you, you, if you can have Jalen Phillips playing, which, by the way, Jalen Phillips is playing like a fucking that's, monster. That's in what the I was saying. Yeah, he's like, been actually- I'm, Insane. Unbelievable. And he needs a breather. Here comes Ingram. Here comes Flowers. It, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, it was what it is. So really excited about that signing. Yeah, I am too. And, and you know, looking at that too, I don't see any other may. And here's the other thing. I think the Dolphins are happy with their roster too, because the waivers came out today. The Miami Dolphins, they may have put in some claims, but they didn't get anybody, uh, which means they probably didn't put in a lot, I'm guessing. But uh, no, they just simply are going with this roster right now. I don't see any major changes happening between now and and week one against the New England Patriots. Uh, do you see anything happening? Any predictions? Any wild, crazy predictions from Chris Cullen? Yeah, the only thing I can think of is uh, is if a corner comes available, surprisingly, or, or if a trade happens. Uh, but I don't see that happening with Byron just missing four games. I mean, we've invested a lot in that position. Um, so really, no. Like, and, and that's a good thing, Sam. That's a good thing that we're not sitting there scrounging for scraps from other teams. We, we are one of those good teams now where yeah. we just get rid of the garbage and we like our roster. That's huge. Yeah. I don't see anything major happening. I mean, there's still some rumors that Mike Kosicki is being shot, but I think Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel actually shut that down this week and said two teams called about him, which, by the way, surprisingly open about the process. Very. Two teams called. Not, oh, yeah, we had some calls here or there, or ah, there was nothing you know of interest. No, two teams called. We know that specifically. They didn't call anybody, and they said, basically, he's going to be here. So to me, that tells me that, A, they would listen if there was a trade package available for Mike Kosicki, but the two teams that called obviously didn't have anything worth a shit in terms of what to offer for Mike Kosicki. And at this point, I don't even know what you could get for Mike Kosicki. He's better off being with the Miami Dolphins. And probably why we keep five tight ends is because he's going to be used a lot in the slot uh, as a wide receiver like he has in the past when he's not in line and blocking. So that's probably why. I also see Tanner Connor doesn't look 100% healthy to me, so he could be turned over to uh, IR now and not miss the entire season. So you could stash him for you know whatever it is, 10 games, and maybe free up a spot somewhere else on the offensive line or in the defensive back room or something like that if you need to. Just from a procedural standpoint, we may have wanted to hold on to him and uh, keep him until we can actually you know shake him loose on the IR later this year. Not quite sure but uh, minor tweaks if anything else if, if it's going to be anywhere i think it's going to be into that tight end room in terms of uh five i just that's an odd number to have for tight ends it is and i can see uh you actually had made a great point i think it's because 
Gasecki will be more on leaning at receiver at, at the slot with a tight end, you know, in line to make yeah. those uh, blocks for, for run plays. That's, that's a great point. Um, and if they're not doing that five is a very odd number. Well, look at George Kittle. I mean, George Kittle played all over the, all over the field for the, for the Niners. Right. And a much better blocker than Mike Gasecki is, but he lined up in the slot quite a bit and, and continues to do so because he's a weapon out there. And what are you going to do? Stick a linebacker on him. Okay, good. He's going to run right past him. Uh, and you can put a safety on him. Good. He's going to bully him and, and lay down in the flat and just use See, his and, body. And, and that's, and that's where like I, the, the, uh, the optimism comes in, Sam, because you start talking about these guys and you're like, Oh, maybe you put a safety on him. You can't, you need a safety over the top waddle and you need a safety over the top Tyreek Hill. If you yep. don't, those guys are open on the go route. Did you hear what that Eagles safety said? He said he gave him five yard cushion and he's just never seen speed like that. Like he, he plays in the NFL. That guy has been in seven and seven camps. He's been in the, the all American bowl. He played college football. He's played in the NFL. That's his third team. He's played this season preseason against other NFL players. And he said, he's never seen speed like that before having that over the top. You have to have a safety there. And that's Gasecki one-on-one on the seam. And it's uncoverable. Go watch. If I know every Dolphins fan has every citizen of Perfectville has looked at it already. Go rewatch. Tyreek Hill running that route one more time and pay attention to his feet, pay attention to his legs and, and, and realize that this, the, the footage is not being sped up because if you look at it, Chris, it looks like somebody sped it up to like one and a quarter speed and it looks cartoonish how fast he's moving and just how fast he eats up the de- defense. And then Tua. by the way, uh, nobody's giving Tua credit for the fact that he did place the ball in a way where Tyreek could get himself open instead of the you know the the defensive back maybe being able to jump up and knock the ball down you know while right in front of him he he pushes it off to the left a little bit fades Tua to the center where Tua can grab the ball now Tua even said he wished he'd placed it a little bit further so he can catch him in stride sure. but he did in a way quote unquote throw him open so let's just give Tua credit there to back backtrack to the to that throw but look at the speed on Tyreek Hill and realize that when Jalen Waddle who was at practice today didn't have any sleeves on his legs today so I think his hammies and all that soft tissue issue is a little bit overblown there in terms of injuries uh hopefully for fantasy football reasons if nothing else but uh realize that that's what we're dealing with now. I mean, that that's, that's what we have. We've got speed uh, up and down and left and right. We have, you know, the bodies with Mike Kosicki and Cedric Wilson and some of these other bigger guys. It's going to be fun to watch this offense. I mean, I, I, I know we're, we're sounding like a broken record right now, Chris, but it's, it's hard not to uh, yeah. with, with what we got. Yeah, first of all, it's preseason, so like, of course, we're gonna be optimistic. But second of all, yeah, there's a lot of speed out there. If you if you watch that preseason game and saw Raheem Mostert's 27, 28 yard run, man, was he fast! And you know what I love about his speed? He's confident in it, right? So he gets that block, he gets the outside two guys in front of him instead of like trying to cut inside and make a move. He just said, see a beeline yeah. to the sideline outran him. It was their speed galore. The underneath routes are going to be so open. It's going to be insane. And uh, it's funny. We've said, we've mentioned on the show, Sam, we've watched other NFL offenses been like, how come we can't get guys, you know, that open dragging across the middle or on a hitch route? Well, we're about to. Yeah. And the other thing about Raheem Mostert that I really liked about this, and I didn't I didn't pick up on it originally, but somebody else did. Uh, he picked up his blocks. I mean, at one point you had two defenders from the Eagles coming through the same gap and you had the linebacker. Uh, well, I think it was the outside linebacker and the, and, the, and, the, and the inside linebacker inside linebacker got there first. And Raheem Mostert didn't didn't wait. 
didn't uh, have any indecision. He took the guy that was coming through the hole first and he put his body on that body. And he knew uh, basically I'm going to hit this guy because it's going to take the guy who's coming in after him longer to get to Tua and Tua can now recognize and throw that ball. And that's exactly what happened. Tua got rid of the ball before he got hit. And I think in the past, we may have had a running back stand there and go, oh shit, which one am I supposed to pick up? What's my assignment? And then all of a sudden, both guys are hitting Tua and Tua's getting sacked or fumbling or whatever the case may be. And it was a little thing like that that gave me confidence that, you know what? The Chase Edmonds of the world, the Raheem Mostert's of the world, they know what they're doing, not only when they're running with the ball, but when the, when their number's not even being called uh, to get the ball in any given play. It was it was very subtle, but it was something I went, okay, this is our guy. This is a guy that knows what he's doing back there. Yeah, it's a very underrated tool for a running back. Uh, and it just shows his veteranship, him and Chase Edmonds. And to see how confident and excited they are after being around other offenses and other teams, man, it, it, it can't do anything. Check your pulse, right? Mm. Like Mike McDaniel said, check your pulse. There you go. Check your pulse, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, speaking of which, we got to check our pulse on the okayest fantasy league ever. <laughs> That's how we're going to end it here. We're going to talk a little bit about this whole draft here, Chris, because as you know, and I know, not everyone else knows, but uh, our fantasy football league is the most okayest fantasy football league in the world. And it's been going on, I think, for now four years. And it's on the most okayest fantasy app ever in ESPN's uh, fantasy football, which somehow they made worse. I don't even know how they made their app worse here, Chris, but they did. A couple of differences for our league this year that I'd like to point out. Number one, uh, I decided without talking to anybody, so a unilateral decision as the commissioner, that we were going to have keepers. And my experience with keepers is you have a keeper and then your normal draft process happens. So for me, I kept Debo Samuel. I was going to draft eighth. I would pick up somebody eighth. No, that is not how ESPN runs their keepers. Their keepers, uh, unbeknownst to me, means, oh, that's your first round draft pick. So I got skipped over for my first round draft pick because I kept Debo Samuel, which I probably would not have picked at eighth overall. But uh, so be it. I guess that's how it goes. Uh, not everybody knew that they were keeping keepers because my email didn't go to everyone in the league like I thought it did, even though I said send everybody in the league an email as to what the rule changes are. So some people had keepers, some people didn't. And then, oh, by the way, uh, somehow set the timer to 10 seconds in between picks. <laughs> <laughs> you do your research. Yeah, everyone's complaining. They're like, it's not enough time. And I'm like, oh, settle down, bitch. Just, you know, do your research. And then it came to when I actually got the pick. And I'm like, oh, it's just like automatically picked a running back for me because I didn't have time to push the button as to who I wanted to draft. So a comedy of errors, which is why it's not the best fantasy league ever. It's the okayest, Chris. Yeah. And let's be honest. Uh, we wouldn't want that any other way. I mean, could you imagine just another boring, normal fantasy draft that's not what we do here at perfect bill we're not your normal boring podcast so why would we be your normal boring fantasy draft and to top that off sam um we've been doing this podcast for a very long time uh i'm the co-host of it i am the doctor i'm the two-time hall of famer and i uh i watched house of the dragon and and missed the fantasy draft. I told my wife hours prior. All right, got Sam. You got the got the got the podcast draft. The podcast I I'm so passionate about and care about and put so much time into for ha over half a decade. And uh, here's some fans in it. Like I got fans of me and my show in this pod this podcast fantasy league. Um, at, at least at least show up to the draft. And at 935, 35 minutes after it started, I went, oh, fuck. The podcast league started. I'm watching House of the Dragon. Um, 
Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Sorry I missed it. I will be actively involved during the season. Um, funny thing is, Sam, I think it auto-picked better than I would have. That, so my, isn't that a bitch? That's the yeah. bitch. So my team, I got Kyler Murray. I've got J.K. Dobbins, C.D. Lamb, Mike Williams, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Drake London, the Saints defense, Matt Gay. Oh, and I skipped over my starting running back, Christian McCaffrey, um, who, if stays healthy, is a thousand and thousand guy. Uh, bench has Lockett, Boyd, Fields, uh, Henderson, Gallup, and Chubb Hubbard. So um, not bad. I'm like, yeah, loving that roster, by the way. So thank you. It even got you a handcuff of Chubba Hubbard to uh, to to Christian McCaffrey. Correct. Christian McCaffrey goes out. Yeah, I uh, I didn't have as much luck. I mean, I don't hate my team. I, I hate my team. I I get <laughs> Justin Herbert of all the fucking things. I get oh, Justin God. Herbert being a host of the. Dolphins you mean Tua Tonga Vailoa? That's his yeah, name now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Javante Williams, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I'll get three weeks out of him. Debo Samuel, who I kept. AJ Brown, after all the shit talking he did last week before the Eagles game, I get AJ Brown, Mike Gesicki, Cordero Patterson, who's probably a one hit wonder, Bengals defense, Tyler Bass, so a Buffalo Bills player. And then I got James Cook to a tongue of Iloa uh, on my bench, George Pickens, who I believe is a rookie, Mark Ingram, the second, who I didn't realize was still in the league, uh, Devontae freaking Parker, uh, <laughs> Dubes, Dobbs, whatever from Green Bay, who I guess is a wide receiver, and Eric Ezukan, my was the guy that I picked because I, I'm going to pick him, even though he's not going to do anything. Uh, but the, the shit talking is already happening here, Chris. I already, uh, Cody O'Day, who, by the way, uh, a couple of these guys, I, we were planning on doing a podcast of the draft with everyone. It didn't work out because of a number of reasons, but Cody O'Day uh, already came out and said, you knocked me out of the playoffs last year, Sam. I've been training while looking at a picture of you hung up at my gym ever since. I wow. square up in week one. Kelsey isn't here to drop 41.1 on me again. I'm like, wow, he went down to the decimal point as to what Kelsey did. We damaged him last year. My team did, but uh, he's coming after me after me week one. The shit talking is happening. It's going to be a fun year for the OKS league ever. Yeah. And just shows how uh, serious our fans take this league. Uh, and I'm watching uh, the Targaryens <laughs> ride dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, well, that's what it is. We got fantasy football. We got regular football. We got college football. Chris, you, your son's got high school football. It's just football, football, football all the way around. It's a good time to be a football fan. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And we're just one short week away from actual games mattering. And oh, by the way, we have a rooting interest on that opening Thursday night game, ladies and gentlemen, because it is the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams against the stupid, awful Buffalo Bills. I'm never, ever, 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 ever going to root harder for an L.A. Rams victory than I am right now for this Thursday night game. It would be great to start the season with Buffalo Bills in last place. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? That's it. Well, on behalf of Chris, myself, the entire Believe Network streaming on Sirius XM, the only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.